for downloading our latest podcast from Cathedral of Praise Church in Rockhampton. You're about to hear another message from our senior pastor, Claude Bingleton. It's interesting if you come with me to Psalm 81 verse 10. In Psalm 81 verse 10, the scripture um, um, uh, is challenging to us. And you know, the scripture says that we can learn by other, from other people's mistakes. I tell you what, do you want to learn the easy way? Learn from other people's mistakes. It's very simple. Learn from other people's mistakes. The thing that the children of Israel went through, the trouble that they had, that was for our learning. So God says, you've got an easy lesson for you. Learn from their mistakes. I read Proverbs nearly every day. I try to. I'm committed to. Um, very rarely, but sometimes I fail. Um, but, but I read a chapter of Proverbs on the date every day. And more and more I'm reading Proverbs Um, I'm beginning to recognize that what he's trying to teach us about wisdom is by observation. Look at this person. Look at the results of their life. Look what's happened to them. Look what they've experienced. Look at this person, what they've experienced. Look what God's promised in relationship to this. And Proverbs teaches us how to live in this world and not be of it. The Bible says of the children of Israel in 81 verse 11, but my people would not heed my voice and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. There's a way that seems right to a man that leads to death. So eventually the Lord said, I just gave them over to their own stem, let them walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. For I, soon, for I would soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. And the haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. For he would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. But in the context in verse 10, it says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And God in redeeming us brings us out from darkness into his marvelous light. And God in ministering to us takes us from the kingdom of darkness and translates us into the kingdom of his dear son. And he said, I brought you out of the land of, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Open your mouth wide has got to do with declarations. And I will fill it. And declarations have got to be made on the basis of the new covenant that we have. And as we begin to declare, because of the covenant relationship that we have with God, God will begin to bless us incredibly. On our first fruits offering, it is a sacrifice. I'm, 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 I'm constantly reminded that the sacrifices we make are the sacrifices of love, the sacrifices of joy, the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Because it is that I want to honour God with the first fruits of all my increase. And I desire to honour him, but it's not possible for you to out-honour him because he said, I want to honour you. This morning I spoke about gifts and anointing. I spoke about gifts and calling. And much as many men and women are gifted, do you know that there's a greater anointing upon those who are called than on just those who are gifted? And God wants to bring an anointing upon your life because he's calling you and he's called you to his son and he wants you to listen to his son and he wants you to obey him. He's just wonderful. I don't know why it is that um, 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 men and women, I mean, just, I just don't know why it is that they don't want to obey the Lord. Is if you want to live in the world after having been tormented by the world. You want to live in the world and see the destruction by living in the way of the world. 
I don't want to live in the way of the world at all. I want to live in the light of his grace and in the power of his love. Can you say amen? It's interesting because sacrifices need to be acceptable to God. Everybody say, my sacrifices need to be acceptable to God. Turn with me, please. The Bible requires us of sacrifices. And in this short word tonight, listen to this. The Bible says that uh, as newborn babes, you must desire the milk of the word that you can grow. You've got to desire the milk of the word. My class is on, on Wednesday night, by the way. Even though the state of origin's on, we'll get home halfway through at the second half, we'll find Queensland is 10 points ahead and they're going to win, so don't worry about it. But my, my, my pastor's class is on. We're not, not having it because of state of origin. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, you've tasted, do you find that the Lord is gracious? Is there, am I the only one? I know I'm not. But who else in this house has tasted and see that the Lord is good? You know, the Lord wants us to taste and see. The Lord wants us to experience and see that he is good. And then it goes on to say, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. If he's precious to God, he's precious to me. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible that the Bible says that we as the temple of God, we as the house of God, we should offer up to him spiritual sacrifices. I find in the scriptures, the Bible constantly talks about this. But before we talk about sacrifice, we need to consider the greatest sacrifice of all. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9 and chapter 10, there in the scriptures, the Bible teaches us something very important. In verse, chapter 9, verse 26, it says that, and it's talking about the high priest who would come to the holy place every year, bringing uh, 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 the blood of an animal as, that's been sacrificed. And blood is, is in relationship to the atonement. And if, if there is going to be a covenant, it has to be ratified by blood. And here the scripture says that, um, that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered in the most holy place. Jesus doesn't have to do that. But then he would have suffered often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And then you come over to chapter 10 and the scripture talent tells us in this verse 12, it says, but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. When we talk about sacrifices, we're not talking about sacrifices that are appeasing God, sacrifices for our sins. It's not possible. No sacrifice that I could ever make, but there are sacrifices that God desires for me to bring to him. You know, a sacrifice usually costs you something. That's why it has value. Sacrifices that we make. And it is that, that, that in the sacrifices that we make in costing us something, we want to honor him because he's worthy of the sacrifice that we would make. I, 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 I reckon it's so easy to be a cheapskate with the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God. Just taking and never giving. Never bringing any sacrifices. Never bringing any sacrifices ever to the Lord. Simply because we just want to honor him in the way that he has just so blessed us and favored us 
for his work and as in his in our lives and as we see it we begin to understand it the bible talks about sacrifices that we should present ourselves to him as a living sacrifice come with me to romans chapter 1 in the book of romans chapter 12 i should say the scripture says i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice you know when you're in the house of the lord and and you should be here when the times that he appoints so that you could remember the covenant not playing golf not fishing you should be here when you can be here if you're nursing we understand if you're in those essential services or required to work at those times we understand but our recreational time doesn't take the place of the time that we need to be in his presence in the times that God's appointed otherwise there comes a dullness I remember when Alva and I was first saved and we just loved the Lord so much he'd just done such marvelous things for us but my friends my unsaved friends encourage us that every Sunday morning we drive from the little country town of Mergen down to the Sunshine Coast and there we go swimming for the morning oh, they were great mates they'd accepted the fact that we become committed believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ we were going to a Bible study true story we were going to a Bible study through the week I had a dear friend who I would drive from Mergen to Kingaroy and, and he would teach me the word of God he was just a layman but I would ask him questions and he would open his Bible and he began to teach me. And Alva and I used to drive down and we'd talk to him every night and da-da-da-da-da-da. But my friend said, look, look, if you come swimming with us, it's great. Claude, come on, Alva, come on. So yeah, they were great mates. Yeah, we loved their company and so we went with them. And this went on for about a, a month or so, just a bit more. But it was that one Sunday, somehow, someway, somehow, the, the, that particular day, the, they were doing other things and so we weren't journeying into the coast. And Alva and I used to get back in time to go to church on Sunday night. Because, you know, we were new Christians. We needed to be in the house of the Lord. We needed to learn how to worship. We needed to learn how to pray. We needed to learn how to love on God. We needed to how to interact with believers. We just needed that so much. We didn't know anything. I mean, I was totally ignorant of church. I had a, a religious background that was so far in the distant past, I never knew how I could conduct myself in the way that I conducted myself. I remember one preacher many years ago in England, he was telling the story. Um, um, that when the deacons used to come and take the offering they used to stand across the front of the church and so um, all the deacons that were taking up the offering and the, didn't the preacher pray them in God and they all stood like this can you tell me in what sport people stand like this soccer he thought somebody was going to kick a soccer ball he actually said he said is somebody going to kick a soccer ball because you see, it's just a simple thing. And I, and, and I did not understand why people did certain things in church. And I needed to go and understand. And, and there were some traditions that I could have thought were nuts. But I want to understand there was a reason and a purpose behind it. But this particular Sunday, um, uh, our mates didn't go, boyfriend and girlfriends didn't go to the beach. So we decided to go to church. And I'm sitting in a pew in church. And I said, Lord, your presence seems to be distant to me. And I don't understand. And um, I was sitting in the church and the preacher was talking about Peter walking on the water. And as he began to look at the waves that were tossing, he began to sink. And he turned his eyes back on the Lord and he said, Lord, help me. And the Lord stretched out his hand and pulled him up and they walked back into the boat. You know the story well. And as he was preaching this, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't seem to be, your presence is not as strong with me as, 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 as it has been. There seems to be a, um, um, just a, 
no, it's not, it's not as strong. And I want it to be. And I said, why? He said, because you've taken your eyes off me. And I begin to sob in the pew. Elva will tell you. I begin to sob. We weren't married at that time. We were engaged. I begin to sob. I sobbed so violently that I shook the whole pew. And then I went forward that morning to have communion. The encounter with my Lord was so real. And I said, I will never take my eyes off you again. So I determined to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning. My wife and I just recently were overseas with Brett and Don and we stopped into Singapore and we wanted to so much go to church. I'm getting away from the message, but that's okay. I feel I need to share this with you because um, um, and we were in Singapore and, and we'd been um, having a wonderful time on a cruise, but I wanted to get to the house of the Lord and there's some great churches in Singapore. So I rang a good friend of mine by the name of George Yeo and said, hi, George, you know we were coming. Now don't forget, we want to go to church on Sunday. What's happening? And he says, it's Chinese New Year. And I said, what does that mean? He said, no churches are operating. All the churches closed down for Chinese New Year. I said, you're kidding me. He said, it's true. I said, nothing's happening. He said, no. I asked about a church. He said, oh, you can't get in that one. It's so big and so full. You're only going to get in on the internet. So anyway, I thought, okay. And I was so agitated within my spirit. So I rang him back. It was the next day or that same day. And I said, I'm not happy with this. I said, George, there's got to be some church services somewhere. I want to go to church. Because I know where the Bible says God's presence will manifest. See, we believers think because he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us, then the church is a sort of, a, some of us think the church is a, well, an option, you know, whatever. But I wanted to be in the house of the Lord. I knew the importance of being in his house. I knew the importance of being in his house. And so what happened was that he said, oh, yeah, there's a couple of relays in a movie theater at such and such a mall. And I said, um, okay, where's that? And he told me, I said, it's just below us. We went down to church, the four of us. We got in this theater, watched something relayed on the big screen. The presence of God came on us. We felt the presence of the Lord upon our lives. Now, he said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. But the importance of me being in the house. We broke communion there. We went in, they didn't have communion like I did. They gave us a little pack with the bread and the wine in it. We opened it when they ate it in the time too. And it was just a very simple, but the presence of the Lord was awesome. But I would have missed out on that if I would just simply accept it. Well, it's not convenient. Nothing's happening. And I have had the desire, as I know, and I can sense, you know, something is happening in our church. There's a momentum that has begun in the spirit. And I can sense it. The real problem is with a lot of people, they don't know, understand anything about momentum. They get blessed and they're happy with the blessing. Then they have to have a little trial now. And having a little trial, uh, then they'll run back into the presence of the Lord again until things get better. It's like one step forward, one step back, one step forward, one step back, one step forward, one step back. And they haven't got any momentum. It's like a car that puts their foot on the accelerator, goes forward, take your foot off, Slows down. Oh, put my foot on the accelerator. That's why fasting and prayer are so important. And that's why I'm asking you to come out this Tuesday. Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month and fast and pray with us. 
because we want to keep the momentum of the Spirit, the sense of God's presence and um, uh, manifesting toward us that he might speak to our hearts, that he might draw ever close to us, that, that, that we, we might allow him to uh, get into our lives and that, that w- w- we won't set the agenda of our calling. We won't set the agenda of our relationship because I can't trust my heart to know that I'm okay. I have to trust him so that he can tell me that I'm okay. That's why being in his house, except for uh, necessary occasions, um, we should be here. When we come to the house of the Lord, we are presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. And the Bible says, which is our reasonable service. And the reason that we do that is that we be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so as we begin to begin to present ourselves to us with our praise and our adoration and our declaration, there comes a transformation that has to take place within our minds so that we will know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And God begins to reveal himself to us and shows himself to us in these ways. The Bible speaks about renewal. Turn with me, please, to the book of Romans chapter 1. I don't know how far I'm going to get with this tonight. In the book of Romans chapter 1, the Bible says that what may be known of God, um, 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 they just um, uh, uh, did not glorify him in verse 21. And they weren't thankful and they became fruitile in their thoughts and their imagination. And in verse 23 it says, And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man of birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And then down in verse 28 it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting. If you understand this passage of Scripture, when Adam and Eve in the garden, God came to them, knowing that they had taken the fruit, being disobedient, um, um, Satan had lied to them and said, you'll be as God. Do you, do you recognize in the Scriptures that they lost the image of God? Man loses. If I asked you what God was like, every born-again believer should be able to tell me. Because the Bible says in this passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Because you see, if you lose the image of God, if you lose it in your mind, if you lose it in your understanding, you're going to, because we are a creature that's made to worship, you're going to replace that, the true image of the living God, with something else. The thing that you worship is the thing that you will become like. I don't mean the fact that you're in church, but the thing that you worship, the thing that you pay homage to, is the thing that you will become like. And the scripture challenges me and challenges you, but in the book of Colossians chapter 3, the word of God says to us that we shouldn't lie to one another. Uh, And the Bible says, having put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Do you know what God is like? We, I didn't have any image of God, but I did. I thought God was not real before I was saved. I thought if there was a God, he's harsh and cruel and unkind. And I hear agnostics and ag- atheists talking about this. Well, if there is a God, look how cruel he is. Look what's happened to all these religions. And they go on and they go on and they go on. But the reality is they have no image of God. And because they have no image of God, they're distorting even further. 
But when you come to believe in Jesus, God wants you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice and be renewed. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the scripture says, being renewed in the knowledge of him. We come to church so we may know what he's like. Know how can we respond to him. That understand the relationship that we have with him. How wonderful he is. I wish I could take you into the inner chamber of my prayer sanctuary. I can't. I would like to invite you to, to come to an hour and a half every Saturday morning with me. But I can't. I actually thought about it, not this Saturday, but last Saturday. Maybe I should invite some to come in and join with me. And the Lord said, don't you dare. This is between me and you. As you talk to me about the people who I've redeemed. But I wish you could enjoy his presence with me and understand what he's saying to me. And that's something that we grow into. You know, the Bible says in, in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter um, um, uh, 4, I think it is, uh, verse 23, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You're not just coming at night so that you can hear some nice stories, but God wants you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind so that out of the image that you have of God, the true knowledge of the living God, of what he's like, you can relate to him. That you might know what is that good and what is that acceptable and what is that perfect will of God. Have you ever, have you ever feared for your salvation? Have you ever feared for your salvation? Have you ever been caught up at times and started to think, it's amazing that I'm saved. I fear for my salvation, not in the sense that I don't fear for the fact that I'm not saved, but I fear for it that I won't lose it. That I'll never lose it. But the wonder of what it is for me to be saved because Jesus is the first fruits of those who sleep. In other words, the resurrection from the dead is assured for everyone who believes in Jesus, the resurrection unto eternal life because he's alive from the dead. Jesus is the first fruits and others. Have you ever feared that you could miss that day of resurrection? I have. Come with me. I'm leading in a strange way tonight. So I've, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not. But I am amazed at what he wants to say to you. Come with me to the book of uh, um, Luke, please. And I've got to find this verse. This verse challenges me no end. It says in verse, uh, when they were talking to Jesus about uh, the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection. And of course they gave the illustration um, in those times of a man marrying, a woman marrying seven different men. And then whose would she be in the, uh, the resurrection? And he says in verse 34, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who were counted worthy to attain that age... And the resurrection from the dead, neither married nor given in marriage. But isn't it interesting, those who were counted worthy to attain to that age. I tell you, sometimes I think to myself, Lord, please let me lose the sense of the wonder of who you are and what you've done in my life, that I might attain unto that resurrection. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, that if by any means I might attain unto that resurrection out from among the dead. That's what he's referring to. 
Sometimes I talk to my wife like this and she says to me, darling, I don't know what you're worried about. My mind never goes there. She's so secure in Jesus. But the wonder of the, of the reality that I'm saved, at times I feel that, could I lose it? Could I miss it? Um, um, uh, um, am, am, I being, am I being casual and careless in my relationship with him? Is he the Lord of my life? Am I walking in obedience to him? And his commandments are not grievous or irksome or burdensome because his commandment brings blessing upon my life. And, and thank God that I haven't got all the commandments of the old covenant, but there's just a few in the new covenant. And if I do these things, God says, I'm just going to open the windows of heaven and I'm going to bless you incredibly. And I'm saying the question, Lord, or do I live in such a way as it pleases me now that I'm saved? See, he's just a wonder. He's a God of grace and a God of mercy. And I'm not saying these things to make We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about our church or to hear this message in full, you can purchase or download a copy from our website at www.copchurch.com.au.